0: I've been telling some people that have come to me and telling me they're here today, especially because it's my last sermon. The Lord willing, it's not. (laughs) And Pastor Matt willing, it's not. You're not certainly going to hear any type of eulogy from me today. I do want to just say a couple of things. One, it has been such a blessing to be the pastor of this church for a long time. It's astounding. What God has done in the lives of so many of us sitting in this room. It's an awesome privilege to be up here so many times, week after week, <clears throat> to share the Word of God. And I always do it with fear and trembling. You need to know that. Take very seriously, not only the privilege, but the responsibility of sharing the Word with you. I'm especially blessed by those of you that have been around forever. I've said this to my wife before. I can't imagine listening to 1,300 sermons from somebody, especially if I was married to them. So thank you for you, those of you that have put up with it for so long. Um, One of the things you know or should know if you've been around here much, that song has really special meaning in my life that I'm a child of God because that reality, when it settled into my heart, changed my life. You know, we all walk around with insecurities and baggage and garbage and fear of man, fear of rejection, all these things. And I remember 29 years ago almost when Cindy and I said, you know, what you see is what you get with Mike and Cindy. This is all we are. This is who we are. And for many years I was ministering, trusting in the Lord, but so much fear and so much worry and so much anxiety that I hope Matthew never has to deal with. But when this reality that I am truly a child of God, he looks at me and calls me his son. He called his daughter. He sees us as friends and he loves us. And I didn't have to worry anymore about my past. I didn't even have to worry about the present or the future, knowing that his love was everlasting. There was nothing I could do to mess that thing up. I mess up a lot of things, but that's not one of them. So being a child of God is what a blessing. Something that we could never thank him enough for to know that we're called his children. And he loved us so much, not only did he die on a cross for us, that he went to the Father and sent the Holy Spirit to dwell in each one of us. So we're never alone. We have the Holy Spirit in there, doing some things, teaching us, encouraging us, strengthening us. But primarily one of the things the Holy Spirit wants to do more than anything else, transform us transition us from what we were into the image and likeness of Christ. What an amazing thing to know that the Holy Spirit lives in us. I don't know if we can comprehend that fully in this life, but He lives in us. And then He chose to give us His Word, the Word that's taken so much ridicule and abuse for centuries, but it's words of life. And you've heard me so many times encourage, exhort, beg, plead, Get in his word. Be in his word. And because of that, I'm going to be in his word again today. And we're going to be talking about something near and dear to my heart, and that's what takes place in all of our lives. If we are Christians, and we'll assume that most of us are, but I would assume some of us may not really be truly Christians. We may have gone to church. We may even be in Bible study. We go to classes. But until we have truly made that commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ and accepting his gift of salvation, surrendering our life to him, there should ever, never be any doubt about our, our, our destiny, our ultimate destiny. And you've heard me say that so many times. God has a plan for your life. He has a destiny for each and every one of us. The Bible tells us before we were even formed in our mother's womb, he knew us and had that plan for us. Take that seriously. He has this plan for every single one of us here. The scripture we often read along those lines is in Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, And sometimes I need to remind myself that Jeremiah spoke these words as a prophet to the Hebrew nation while they were in the midst of a 70-year exile, of the Babylonian Empire. So they're in the midst of these troubles, these trials, these tests, this foreign land. And all of us go through troubles and trials and tests. And whether you realize it and understand it or not, we are living in a foreign land. God tells us our home is truly in heaven. We're just sojourners, travelers here. We're in this foreign land. And yet the words of 29.11 from Jeremiah speak truth to our lives. It says simply, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. He has a plan. And most of the time, now let's see, all the time, at this very instant, we are not prepared for his ultimate plan and destiny in our life. There's this process that we're all going through, this transformation to be more and more and more like Christ. And it's a process that takes time. It is a process that when I hear that scripture in Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, some of my natural thoughts go, okay, Lord, you have a plan. You have a destiny. Uh, what is it? How long is it going to take? What is it going to cost me? How painful is it going to be? Natural questions for most of us as human beings. I, I'd like to know the end before I hear the, even the beginning sometimes. I want to know what it's going to take. I don't know. I can't answer those questions. Don't know what's going to happen for sure. Don't know how long it's going to take, but I do know this much. It's going to be a series of almost continuous transition in our lives, every single one of us. So I'm going to be talking about transition today. Yes, I will hit on the transition that's taking place in the church, in the leadership, but I also want to stress most of what I'm going to talk about is about the transition that's taking place in our lives. If we are supposed to be being transformed in the image of Christ, the Holy Spirit is is at work. We're going through a transition, changing continually. The title of my message is being positioned for that transition. What can we do to put ourselves in a place to embrace transition? And it's not always easy to embrace transition. So I want to start with the Scripture in Isaiah the prophet, chapter 43. And it says this, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing, and now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I love the way the New Living Translation says, States that the New Living Translation shortens it and gets right to the point. Forget all that; it's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. But what's really interesting about that scripture is, if you would read the verses, or oh, the three verses, four verses preceding that scripture, you would realize and see that God is reminding the people of who He is and what He's done. He is telling them to remember: I am the Holy One. I am the Lord. I am the Creator of Israel. I am your king. I destroyed the chariots and the army. And he says all that to remind them just who he is. And then the next verse he says, don't remember the former things. Is he confused? Not hardly. Did the prophet get it wrong? No, I don't think so. So what is he saying to us when he says, don't remember these former things? He says, I'm going to do a new thing. I'm going to do a new thing. And when God does a new thing, it's a better thing. The more exciting thing. He says, remember. What does that word remember mean? It's a very common word. We all have an idea what it means. It's simply, you know, to call to memory, to to maybe write it down to keep us uh keep a, re- a reminder of it. It means things like um, to hold in our mind. Remember that. Don't let it go. Boy, I wish that worked all the time. Hold it in your mind. But it also has this aspect to it to build a memorial to. To remember something, what do we do in our nation and really nations around the world? To signify some event, to remember some significant event, they build memorials, they build statues. We have a, a, tons of them in the United States. And I'm not saying there's a thing wrong with them, nothing. But part of that meaning to remember is to build a memorial so we don't forget. So what is the Lord saying through the prophet here when he says, Do not remember the former things don't even consider the things of old i do not believe we're supposed to forget about them i believe it falls under the area of that last meaning don't make a memorial don't make a memorial of these old things remember them they're wonderful there's lots of wonderful things when we look back he doesn't want us to forget all those things and go back and make all the same mistakes again so i believe he's saying remember in the sense of don't make a memorial of those old things, those things from the past. Don't do that, because if you do, you might miss the new thing completely. He says and follows up in the middle of that verse, he words he says it this way, shall you not know it? He says, I'm going to do a new thing. In other words, you say, you should notice. You should see it. Implying to us clearly that if we are so focused on these things that we've enshrined in our lives and in our past, whether they're good or bad, the possibility exists to miss the new thing that he's doing. He could be preparing to do the most wonderful thing, the greatest thing, the most productive thing, the most majestic thing we've ever experienced, but if we've enshrined these things in our life and we can miss it completely. And that's what I believe he's saying when he says, don't remember these things. He's saying, don't enshrine them. If they're there for your benefit, they're good, that's okay. We don't need to remove them from our mind, but don't make a memorial to them. He does not want us worshiping those old things. They might say, ah, who'd worship them? When we get these things in us, sometimes we call them things like traditions, things like that, and all of a sudden those old things that we like, that we're comfortable with, are being changed. Focus on what we're losing, what we think we're losing, and miss what God is really doing. So are we willing, individually, corporately, as a body of Christ, family of victory, are, will, are we willing to give up the things from our past and embrace what God is doing in our life, His new thing. Every single one of us here, if we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we have been born again. That's an unbelievable transition from death to life. But He did not die on a cross just to bring us from death to life. He sent the Holy Spirit to transition us, transform us into the image of Christ. And there's a process there. And we're going to look at some of the reasons transition can be hard in just a few minutes. But the real bottom line question is, do we want the very best that God has for us? As an individual, can I say, Lord, I'll lay down whatever it is you want for your very best. I'll give up whatever needs to be given up for your very best. I'll lay aside my favorite things and my ways of doing it for your very best. We need to answer that question for each one of our lives. It's time for a new thing. We don't want to say, yes, Lord, except, Lord, I really, really like this and certainly you can't despise it. I'll, I'll, I'll be willing to change as long as I can bring this along with me. I'd be okay. Or yes, Lord, but we see stories in the scriptures. the rich, young ruler comes to mind right away. Obviously, something was happening in his heart that he went to Jesus and said, what must I do to be saved? Jesus said, hey, what the law? He said, hey, I've done all that. He said, oh, by the way, just go sell everything. Follow me. Lord, I want you, but are you kidding? And he goes away sad. Whatever God had in mind for that young man's destiny not going to come to pass unless he was willing to, to lay down something. And for all of us, it can be something different. Most of the time, there's many things along the path and the transitioning that we go through that we have to lay down. It is time for that new thing at Victory Corporately. I am so excited for the transition, for Cindy and I. Don't know what it's going to look like. Well, you never get a very good answer, and you say, Mike, what are you guys going to do? I don't know, go to bed and wake up. I hope. I hope. I'm excited for Matt and Olivia. What's it going to look like for these two and their two young kids and however many more they are blessed with? I don't know. But I believe it's going to be good. I believe God's going to do a new thing. I'm excited for the church as a whole. You know, God's led us this far. What in the world does he have for us? if we're ready to embrace it. I believe it's going to be so much better, so much greater, so much more efficient and productive for expanding the kingdom of God. And that's what it's about, right? But that same thing's true in your life as an individual. You know, don't beat yourself up. You know, Bob mentioned in Sunday school this morning, the adult Bible class, you know, we're so good at condemning ourselves. We need to stop it. You have no idea what God's ultimate destiny is for you. All we know is we're going through some transition, and we need to be willing. And I guarantee you along the way, there's going to be numerous opportunities for the enemy or your flesh to get you off track. He does not want, the enemy does not want, he may have lost you to the kingdom of God, but he does not want you being productive for the kingdom of God. He does not want to see your destiny fulfilled. He's not going to leave you alone. So there's going to be opportunity after opportunity. So we have to decide, Lord, whatever it takes, I am willing. So I don't know what's coming for any of us or the church. I do know it's going to be transition time. So I think there's some things we need to understand about transition, some basics. Number one, Transition implies movement, moving from one place to another. There's going to be a change, going to be a movement within transition. Transition means leaving some things behind. Leaving some things behind. What are we willing to leave behind to walk into the destiny that Christ has for us? As an individual, what are you willing to leave behind? I'll touch on that a little bit more in a minute or two. Transition is something that requires participation. God, in his wisdom, that I do not understand, chose to give us free will. He's not going to beat you up with a club and force you to do anything. The transition and walking to your destiny requires our participation. Willingness to say, Lord, whatever it is, I want it. Whatever you've got for me, I want it. Transition does not happen by accident, and if it does, it's a mess. God has a plan, not a random thing. He has a plan. What it looks like and how it happens certainly can change, but it is. So, really, when we are faced with transition or we sense we're in transition or we feel in our spirit the transition is coming, we need to understand that it's going to require some cooperation on our part. To cooperate with the Lord, to cooperate with the Holy Spirit when he moves. We could go through many, many examples in the scriptures. I might just mention a couple quickly. The story of Abraham. Abraham hears from the Lord. And he says to him, paraphrasing according to Mike, Abraham, it's time to get up and move. I want you to leave where you're living. I want you to leave your father's house. I want you to leave this whole area, your family. I want you to just pack what up what you can, and I want you to go to a land I'm going to show you. Wow! Wouldn't you love to get a word like that? Man, I don't know about you, but my personality is good. to questions just start clicking. When? How long am I going to be gone? Are you serious? I got to say goodbye to everybody? Can I bring them along? Are they all coming with? Are you telling them too? Confirming it in my wife's heart, would you please, before I make this move? All those questions. Abraham had a choice. He's a cooperator, not cooperate. Oh, and, and God threw him an unbelievable carrot, didn't he? When you do this, I'm going to make you a father of a nation you, won't, you can't even imagine. More than the sands of the sea. Well, what would have happened if he said, I'm comfortable right here. Well, at least tell me where I'm going. Is there a house waiting for me? All of these things. He just went. He was obedient. Think about Jesus' ministry itself. Jesus' ministry was nonstop transition in the people's lives. Everywhere he went, he was bringing opportunities for transition. Sadly, more often than not, the opportunities were missed completely. He, he, he would come to people. We, we can relate to the, the, those in sick. He transitioned them to a healthy body. He even took a couple people that were dead and transitioned them back to life. He was in the process of transitioning their religion, their beliefs, what they held so dearly that they had made memorials to. And because of where they were at so often... People missed it completely. The call of Matthew. I want to read the Scripture with Matthew in Mark chapter 2, verse 14. It says, As Jesus walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus. That's Matthew. He saw him sitting in his tax collector's booth, and he just says to him, Follow me and be my disciple. Levi got up, followed him. Now, Levi, Matthew... He had made some bad choices. He was hated by most of the people because he's turned against his people, being the tax collector. But he was comfortable. He was wealthy. He really had it made in a lot of ways. He left it all. Follow Jesus. We see these things over and over in Scripture, and we face them daily in our lives. Time to transition. Time to change. I think transition, to boil it down a lot, consists of three main components. That's it. Three main components. First component is simply this, letting go of the old. Letting go of the old stuff. Okay, Lord, not a problem. Your promises are good. I'm going to let go. All of it. Matthew got up, left everything. You may have missed it in that scripture when I read it, but he says, follow me. But he also said something else. Be my disciple. You and I have been called to follow Jesus. Not some fancy program. Not some denomination. Not some set of rules. We are called to follow the person of Jesus Christ. That's what Matthew responded to. That's what we need to respond to. Especially understanding that the Holy Spirit is trying to transform us into the image of Christ. Second part, our main component, is simply trust, trusting in the Lord. Man, a asking you to do some things. <clears throat> Cindy and I, umpteen years ago, Mike called to be the pastor at Victory Church. Are you kidding me? There was a lot of other people saying, Are you kidding me? Some of you are probably still saying, Are you kidding me? There is no way. I mean, my mom's first words were something like, what seminary are you going to go to? Um, I'm going to go to the same seminary the Apostle Paul went to. I thought, no, I don't want to go out in the desert. (laughs) Those are the things. We don't know. I was not qualified, still am not, to be your pastor. By the grace of God and His plans of this congregation, here we are, trusting in the Lord. And then the last component is simply taking hold of the new. Taking a hold of the new, getting ready to embrace it, even when we don't understand it and we don't want to embrace it. Seems pretty simple, doesn't it? Let go of the old, trust God, embrace the new. Who can't do that? I'm not very good at it. Why is it sometimes so hard to embrace transition? Why is it sometimes so hard, whether it's personal in every one of our lives individually on the walk that God has you on, or for us as a family here at at, uh, Victory? Why is it sometimes so hard for us to grab hold? Well, I'm going to offer you four ideas. At least they're true in my life. Transition can be hard because, first of all, it often requires sacrifice. Requires sacrifice. What's it going to cost me? Transition. What am I going to have to leave behind? Relationships? Maybe. Lifestyle? Yeah, I'm supposed to live different? Wow, maybe. Security? Worked awfully hard to get to where we're at. Now you want us to sell everything and go to Arizona? Security? It can be so many things. And depending on how tightly we're holding on to them, it's sacrificial to go through this transition. And that's why sometimes transition is hard. We have to give up those things that we're so comfortable with. I think another one is simply this. Transition oftentimes comes with criticism. Criticism. On a personal level, those that were here in the early days of the church know what it was like when a bunch of drug addicts, alcoholic, obnoxious, but really good people at heart, got saved. Oh my goodness. Everybody should have been rejoicing, but they weren't. Oh man, oh man, did we take criticism. That's okay, they'll get over it. It's just their newest fad. You know, they go overboard. They don't just drink a little, they drink a lot. Jesus, they are not going to satisfy it with a little. They want a lot, but it won't last. They'll sober up. It comes with those kinds of issues where we're going to be criticized as a church or as individuals. I mean, you know, I hear, I I don't hear it directly because people are sometimes more polite than that, but I hear people are even sometimes still critical of victory. That church, praise God, that we still look different. At least a little bit. <laughs> and hopefully it's not because we're jerks. Right? Walk around like we have all the truth. We did all that. It didn't work so good. In Mark chapter 2, verse 16, after Zacchaeus climbed that little tree, and Jesus looked up at him and said, Zacchaeus, get down here. today. salvation is coming to your house. So they went to his house, and Jesus said, I'm coming to you with you today. The religious people, you can about imagine already, they'd step back and say, what? And then they get there and, gee, a whole bunch of other tax collectors and losers come. And here's what the, I love the New Living Translation, once in a while. And it says this in Mark chapter 2, 16, the words of the religious people. Why is he eating with this scum? Well, thank you. Come, I've been called worse. There's going to be criticism. If we are on path with the Lord, he is different than the way the world thinks. His thoughts are different the way he does think. We're going to be criticized. makes it hard. Do we want everything God has for us or don't we? Most of the time, the Holy Spirit doesn't tell us exactly where we're going. That's the third reason it's sometimes hard. I don't know where you're going. I don't know what you're called to do. I don't know what your destiny is. I don't know the ultimate destiny for Victory Church and the family of believers that go here. I don't know. He does. But sometimes, some of us would rather say, you know, this is pretty good. I know I'm saved. This is pretty good. Got a halfway decent house. My car runs. Most of them are out of jail. This is pretty good. I think we'll stay right here. This is comfortable. Or do we really want what God has for us? Are we willing to go and do what the Holy Spirit is leading us to do? fourth thing that makes it difficult is because there's kind of this in-between place in our life. We know we're leaving here. We're somewhere out here on the trail, the path, but we aren't here yet. That's an uncomfortable place to be for many of us. We don't know what's coming next. This is the place where our faith is really tested. In that place where we aren't there, we've moved on. I've talked to some people, for example, in a job. I know I'm supposed to quit this job. I know I'm supposed to move on. Awesome. Good for you. Where are you going? No. That's why I'm scared. I don't know what to do. What are you going to do? Well, I'm going to quit my job. Faith. Also, this time in between is a place where we can run into what's called grumbling and complaining. It's not comfortable, and we have this temptation to start grumbling and complaining as we get impatient in what the Lord is going to do in our life or is doing in our life. Sometimes we are so comfortable in that old, or we have these memories that are very slanted towards only the good things, that we say, you know what, this is not working. I want to go back there where I was least familiar with it. Now think of Moses. This is still one of the most amazing statements, I think, of a group people group ever. <clears throat> They've been slaves for like 400 years. Moses comes as the deliverer. God sets them free from the Egyptians. He does this amazing thing and parts the Red Sea. Then he closes it and kills the army, kills, buries the chariots in water. And now they're going to the promised land, and they get right to the boundary, the border. It's like all we got to do is step in and walk into this land that he's promised us. But they stop and they send some spies in to just see how good it really is. And of those 12, 10 of them come back with the bad report. They say, oh, the land's awesome. Oh, but there's the giants in the land. It didn't matter that there was two good reports saying, hey, God's got this. So what did the people do? I'm quoting it from Scripture, let's appoint a leader and return to Egypt. Now, I'm not very smart, but in my mind, if Pharaoh's whole army has just been killed, everything like that's happened, you come back to my country, it's not going to be that good for you. You thought we worked too hard before, but this is what the people got to. Fear came in. The unknown scared them. They said, let's get a new leader and go back. Foolishness. So, when we're in transition, usually one of two things happen. We eventually have a breakthrough, or we break down. That's why it's so important, that faith aspect, that trust aspect. We don't want to break down. We want to have a breakthrough, whether it's you individually, me individually or the church corporately. We want to go forward. It's a place in that that time frame from where we were to where we're going that the way we think, the way we act, what we do demonstrates to the Lord, do we really trust Him? Do we really believe Him? Am I willing to walk away from those things? Not knowing what's out here, but knowing what? He's God, He's good, and He loves me. And He has a plan and a destiny for me. So, is there anything we can do to position ourselves for transition? There better be, or I got a really rotten title. Positioning ourselves for transition. What are some things we can do? And some of it seems pretty much a no-brainer. But first thing we need to do is make some decisions as we're preparing to go into transition or in the middle of transition. Make some decisions. The first one is simply this: If God has more for us, I want it. Sounds simple. I want it. I need to make up my mind. I want it. If God has something more, I want it. When he called Peter and Andrew and the other fishermen, he says, hey, put away the nets, put away the boats. I'm going to make you fishers of men. You don't have to catch these dirty, smelly fish anymore. No, I'm going to make you fishers of men. If God's got something better, I want it. If it's something that he has for us, that's a better way, if you would, I want to learn the better way there's something that can be changed, be more effective. I want it. We need to make up our minds beforehand. I want it. I'm going to go for it. If it's better, I want it. If there's a greater anointing, I want it. Anybody want a greater anointing? Yeah. You know, think of the transition from Elijah to Elisha. Elijah's assistant. Hey, what would you like? What would you like? I want a double anointing of what you've got. If there's a greater anointing available to us, what's it take to get it? I want it, and it's going to cost us something. If we change these ways of thinking, these attitudes, and we have that predecided, I want it. We're going for it. So, that getting in position for transition really means a few things: anticipate the new. There's going to be new things coming your way as an individual as you begin to walk as a Christian. There's going to be new things coming as Matt takes over leadership of this church and he and the elders go in the vision that God has given him. There's going to be some new things. Get ready to embrace the new things. They're coming. God's got a plan. Be ready to anticipate the different. Sometimes new things look different. Embrace the different. Anticipate the difference. Anticipate the unknown. I don't know, God, what you're doing in my life, but that's okay. You warned me. I don't know what's coming, but I'm going with you. I'm following you. In the church, in the transition, I don't know. I don't know about this. It's the unknown. That's not how we, God. Don't ever say, we didn't used to do it that way. Please, everybody make a pledge right now. <laughs> If, we were, if it was okay to make vows, I'd have you make one. Don't say that. Don't think that way. We want what God has for us as individuals and as a church. We want it all. We're kind of greedy that way to make God look good and let him have his way. And anticipate the uncomfortable. When those things, things I already mentioned happen, some of us start to squirm. Some of us, our skin starts to crawl. Some of us just go to the bathroom and throw up. It's just, we all react differently. Guess what? It's going to be uncomfortable at times. When God is calling you to something, if he's preparing you for something over here that you have never done before, never experienced before, you don't think there's going to be some uncomfortable moments preparing you so when you get there, you can handle it. There's going to be uncomfortable. Anticipate there's going to be mistakes and setbacks. There always are. We're not perfect. None of us anticipate those things. That's okay. In our lives, you know what? Boy, I can look back, and if I'd have just done some things a little differently, I wouldn't have had to suffer quite so much. My family might not have had to suffer so much, and some of you wouldn't have had to suffer near as much. But we went on, and just anticipate. Sorry for the length of my message, but... My first opportunity as an associate pastor to preach, and I didn't know how long it'd be. I have a great illustration I was going to use here, but I'm looking at the clock and saying, Cindy and I, when we go camping, we anticipate going. We get excited about going. Part of that anticipation is an excitement, looking forward to it. I'm going into the illustration if you didn't catch that. We're anticipating, but you know what? We gotta leave the microwave behind. Leaving the big TV behind and the remote that goes with it. We're leaving some of the other conveniences behind. We're leaving our security behind. And we're, we don't know what's gonna happen when we go camping. And you know what? We are so darn excited we can hardly wait to get there. And sure enough, we gotta get up at 4.30 in the morning, get in line just to get in the campground. That's not fun. But it was okay we were going to get one of our campsites. You're going to hike and I'm about dead. In the, I can see where we're supposed to go. It's that close. I hate camping. <laughs> I hate hiking worse. But you know what? I anticipate going because it's going to be awesome. Wake up in the morning and you left stuff on the picnic table and it frozen snowed last night and it's July. I anticipated enthusiastically how can you be so stupid? That's the attitude we need to have in our personal lives. I don't know what's coming. It's going to be messy. That's okay. It's going to be different. I'm going to be uncomfortable. That's okay. It's going to be great when we're walking in the destiny the Lord has for us. You know, when Moses was leading the people through the desert, all those years, it said they were following a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. No matter where they were, they could look and see. Is that pillar of fire moving? Is that cloud moving? If it is, let's get going. They were looking to be ready. It was like God saying, watch these two things and be ready when it's time to move or moving. Well, in our world today, we don't see that pillar of of fire and the cloud of smoke leading us, but you know what? It's better. We have the fire and the smoke and the cloud inside of us called the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit's calling us to move, we need to be ready to move. Individually and corporately. Be ready to move. How can we do this so confidently? Wherever you're at, if you've been saved for an hour or years, wherever you're at in your walk, The church, being around for 40 years this year, being around, we've not arrived. But that's okay. We can be confident and faithful in what God is doing because the same Lord that brought us this far is going to continue to lead us and lead you. So we can go into it, not foolishly, but fearlessly, walking it out as we follow the Holy Spirit. Believe it or not, I'm getting closer to a conclusion I want to go to a couple things about our transition here at the church. And I want to say this first. It's amazing, amazing how well we as a congregation have responded and embraced the change that's coming. It is awesome. I'm sure every now and again I hear a little comment. But overall, we're all looking forward to it. We see God's hand all over it. It's exciting. So I want to say that up front. But I also want to just share a story about a United States track and field team, the Olympians, these amazing, amazing athletes. And one of the premier events in any international Olympics, whatever, is the 4x100 relay. For those of you who don't know, you get four members on the team, and they're each going to run 100 yards, and they're carrying a baton as they're running. And when they get to the person, they hand off the baton and the next person runs. And the United States is favored every year. We've got these amazing athletes. They're some of the fastest human beings on the planet every year. But something's wrong. There's an Achilles heel that's been present and manifesting itself for the last 18 years. In the last 18 years... Our men's 4x100 relay team has either not finished the race or been disqualified or not qualified for the finals. Why? Because those four unbelievable athletes, with all their training and talent, mess up passing the baton. All of the last Olympics, including the 2020 Olympics, they messed up the passing of the baton. You would think it's got to be easier than that This little baton that doesn't weigh hardly anything. The best athletes in the world running, handing it off to go. And yet, since 2005, they've either been disqualified, not finished the race at all, or not qualified for the finals. Eight times, including the last Olympics. What's my point? The moral of the story transition's not easy. It's not easy. I want to share a couple of thoughts as I get closer to closing. Hopefully, most of you were here back on February February twelfth. Pastor Doug was here, and he shared about transition. And I want to just review a few of the things that he said about transition. He's pointed out that there's a responsibility for everyone involved in there's a good transition. The leaders, he mentioned, we've been praying, we've been talking, we've been meeting with other people, we've been asking questions, we've been seeking the Lord before we ever thought, this is the guy right here. And then when it comes to us, he may, he called it the old guy. I guess that's accurate. The old guy, he says, has a responsibility to not hang on to things too tightly, to be able to release things, to let go. Can't have an attitude of entitlement I've always tried to do that, not have this idea that it's yours. But you know you discover you know, when you've been doing something for a long time, there's a few things that you just can't, your fingers are stuck to them. Try to let go, and it's hard. But we do the best we can. The new guy is not to uh, throw out everything that's been done in the past, but to build on and honor and, and then carry his own vision going beyond that. Matt's done an awesome job with that, an awesome job. And then we come to the congregation. Trust the Lord. Keep the big picture in mind, Doug pointed out. The big picture. Not all those little nuances that could mess us up. We have bad attitudes. Keep the big picture in mind. We are going with what the Lord has planned for the church. Everybody's imperfect, all of us. He mentioned, and I'll just mention it because it was so good, be critical thinkers, not critical people. Doug, I've heard Doug say that so many times. Be critical thinkers. Critical thinkers are problem solvers. And if we can be critical thinkers and figure out better ways to do things, awesome. Any leader worth his salt will embrace new ideas. But not be critical people. And complain and complain and complain. Judging. Don't compare. Matt pointed out a couple of weeks ago that he and I are different. Good for you. (laughs) One of me's enough. But we're different different gifts, different talents, different callings, all under this umbrella of being called to be pastor. They're different. God knows we need some different. Or he'd have brought another Mike Nelson. Praise God, he didn't do that because we needed different. God to lead us into what He has for us. So don't compare. And then Doug's, this is another line of Doug's. I'm sure Matt's heard it many times. Look for the wins. Look for the wins. Why? Because what you look for, that's what you find. That's what you find. Olivia, you want to come up here and, and play the piano or keyboard? I want to close, I have to close with another illustration. Thank you for your patience. Kind of a story. Most of us have heard different jokes and stories about somebody dying and going to heaven and they have to get past Peter at the gates. But we're going to incorporate a little bit of that too. But there was a man. We don't even know his name. And he was obviously a very evil man, a bad man, because he was condemned to death by crucifixion. And he's crucified on the cross next to Jesus. And he gets to heaven. There's Peter at the gates. Peter says, Why should we let you in? He says, I don't know. Well, are you a son of Abraham? What are you talking about? No. Did you go to the synagogue on a regular basis? No. No. Have you been reading and studying Torah? Well, no. Well, what good thing did you do that we should let you into heaven? He says, good thing? I was a thief and they killed me on a cross because I was such an evil person. And he says, why and what makes you think I'm going to let you in? He says, because the man on the middle cross invited me. The man on the middle cross told me that I'd be with him. The question then is, what do we do with that man on the middle cross? Every one of us have to decide. Jesus invited him, made him a promise that he would be with him in paradise that very day. The invitation is extended to every single one of us we often quote John 3 16 for God so loved the world that all believe in him and accept him have eternal life what have you done with the man on the middle cross you know statistics would say no matter what you get 200 people around they're not all saved there could be some people here who have come to church regularly in bible studies and life groups you may not truly be saved What have you done with the man on the middle cross? Have you accepted him as your Lord and Savior? Have you surrendered to him and let him wipe the slate clean of all sin in your life? call you his son or daughter. And know for certain that you have eternal life with Jesus in heaven, worshiping before the throne what have you done with the man in the middle, on the middle cross? It puts a fear of God in me to think that somebody could come to this church for weeks or months or even years and never accepted the invitation of that man on the middle cross. Come and enjoy the worship, enjoy the music, endure the preaching, but somehow or other leave unchanged. What have you done with the man on the middle cross? There's an invitation for everyone, it's never too late. Doesn't matter if you're six years old, 16 years old, 70 years old. Or even older, right, Dan? What have you got? What have you done with the man on the middle cross? I want to make sure and extend that opportunity today. If you've never accepted Christ. Your personal Lord and Savior. Confess your sins and acknowledge Jesus as that substitute sacrifice for your sin. Do it today. We'd love to pray with you. No magic in a prayer. It's you making a commitment to your Savior. And then I want to close, really close this time with a scripture from Matthew chapter 11, 28 through 30. I've shared this with a number of people over the years. but for a number of years, I felt almost guilty because it didn't seem to me that my burden for the lost Was as great for my burden for those who know Jesus but are not living the life that He's called them to. He died for us, and yet we live in bondage. We don't make the choices he wants us to make. And some or other we don't have the confidence that He can change our life that has been the burden of my heart and ministry the whole time. I want to see people believing that they're a child of God and experiencing the abundant life of Christ free of all the garbage that the enemy wants us to carry around and we go home to be with the Lord. In Matthew eleven twenty eight it says come to me all you are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. As Christians, we have this unbelievable privilege of taking our burdens and giving them to him and putting on his yoke as his sons and daughters, living out the life that he has for us. Good stand, I just want to pray with us if you're here and you've never accepted Christ now would be the right time Father if there are some here who you are wooing their hearts even now you are convicting them by your Holy Spirit I pray you would release the abundance of grace for them to receive the gift of salvation accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior for those of us who have accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior God, we embrace the reality that we are your sons and your daughters and we are loved by you unconditionally, that we don't need to carry all this garbage and believe all these lies of the enemy. You died on that cross to forgive our sins, but to set us free of those strongholds. Father, I pray even this morning that you would break chains. But the reality of knowing Jesus as their Savior and Deliverer would cause chains of bondage, of fear of man, fear of rejection, shame or guilt to just fall to the ground harmless. That we would live as your children, experiencing the abundant life in Christ that you have for all of us. What a blessing it is, Lord, to call you Father. I pray the reality of that just sinks into our minds and hearts in greater and greater ways. And Lord, I pray today that as we go our different directions, we go with a heart's desire to love you, to serve you, to love the world around us and to serve them, that they may see Jesus in us. Pray, Lord, that we would go with your protection. Give us grace when we make mistakes. But continue to draw us and woo us by your Spirit. Lord, in all these things, we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Be blessed. Have a wonderful week.